This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. And welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to white women losing their minds. We are talking about Candy, Episode 3, Overkill. I am Joe Lipset, and I am joined, as always, by Jen Adams. Hello. As well as Gina Radcliffe. Hello. Oh, boy. Okay, <laughs> so we have hit the midway point of our Hulu Limited series, and it is a fair time, ladies. Yes, it is. This is the most, like, polite affair and, like, organized <laughs> affair I think I've ever seen. But, you know, it's also, it's also a little depressing, too. I know. Oh, God, it's so logistical. <laughs> right, right. <sighs> Nothing says passion and heat and good sex like a why, why not list. <laughs> or, 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 your, or your lover telling you that he's never French kissed anyone before and he's, like, thir- and he's like 30. Right. <laughs> or Tupperware, you know? <laughs> oh, God. I know that 1980 was a long time ago and it was a different era, but I just don't know about you. I don't want to initiate an affair by having these kinds of logistical discussions and or eating a full fucking buffet lunch before getting down to business. I love I love telling because uh, everybody that's seen this movie mentions the the you know oh, I'm gonna go make chicken teriyaki <laughs> <laughs> and like spreading out this meal like that is actually right out of the book. Like, oh really? She, yeah, okay. she she's trying to like because she's a, she's a housewife first mm-hmm. and foremost. So, you know, what are you going to do? The, the whole, you know, the way old man's heart is through his stomach thing. So, you know. <sighs> I guess. She would just show up for these, like, you know, half the time they were they were getting together, they were just sat there and eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and then they'd have this kind of, you know, largely unsatisfying for her sex and then, you know, go their separate ways. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to talk about this because at a certain point, Candy reveals to Sherry I have taken a lover. <laughs> and you're like, okay, <laughs> dramatic. But then when Sherry asks her about the sex, you know, she basically says that Alan has the most gorgeous penis she's ever seen. But the reality of the sex that we're seeing is until he tries to break it off, there is no passion. There is no fire. This is sad standing up, like, not even missionary, just like, all right, hump me in front of the fucking mirror and then let's be done with it. Like, do you think this is actually satisfying or is Candy just obsessed with the idea of doing something bad or wrong? I think that's satisfying. I think that's the itch that she needs to get scratched. It's like, yes, she is horny. And so I'm imagining that she is maybe hopefully, you know, having some orgasms at some point, although Mm -hmm. we don't see it. but. I think that what she actually is looking for, what it is scratching, is this need to be dangerous or to do something she's not supposed to do, to not be perfect. You know, it's, right. it's almost like it feels like shoplifting or something. You know, yep. it's like I just want to do something bad to say that I did, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think it's both. I mean, I think it is f- physically unsatisfying for her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, on, on and, you know, a, a, I don't know if I can see emotional level, but. You would think she would go out of her way to keep this a secret, 
Right. But yeah. she really does it. I mean, she just blurted it out to her friend and, and you know, just, <laughs> you know, either either really trusts her friend to not spread gossip or mm-hmm. doesn't really actually care that much if, if it... If it gets back to to pat and or betty eventually which that's a you really kind of have to think about that like does she actually care yeah yeah like is she subconsciously trying to explode her own life by first engaging in this risky behavior this bad girl thing and then b actively just telling someone who we have to assume is gossipy i mean we know for sure that Sherry and Candy have been sharing kind of confidences about Pastor Jackie's not infidelity, but like her new lover before she left. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, I, I guess I wish that we were getting a little bit more insight into how Candy actually feels about this. It's tricky. I said last episode that I wanted to get a better sense of how Alan feels. And now that I'm actually getting it in this episode, it makes me realize that it's not telling me as much about Candy and Betty as a result, because we don't have as much time. And now I'm kind of left with questions like, oh, well, what do they think about all of this? This this episode feels a little bit more distancing from the women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get the, the impression that you know, Alan is in a complicated situation where he is, in as much as he's capable of enjoying anything, which which I don't, I don't know. He's very <laughs> he's very impassive. And, he and, is a robot. <laughs> yeah, but you also get the impression he does actually feel bad about what he's doing. Again, it's 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 an opposite thing for for Candy, who doesn't get much out of it physically, but is enjoying how it, you know the whole situation makes her feel. Whereas mm-hmm. Alan is probably enjoying himself more physically because you, know, you kind of get the impression that you, well, you, well, you don't get the impression. I think Betty says at one point she doesn't enjoy sex, and that mm-hmm. and, and that you know basically she only goes through with it to have babies, right? And because, and because she feels it's her wifely duty. So Alan is enjoying the physical aspect of the affair, but feels guilty about it. Yeah, I was intrigued because we see Candy lay this out in her very logistical sense. It's like she and Alan are taking a business meeting and they talk about pros and cons and then they walk away to have a bit of a think about it. Mm -hmm. And he learns that Betty is pregnant and then he calls Candy to say, okay. So it definitely seems as though he is getting more out of it physically because you're right, Gina, we see him have sex with Betty in this episode and it looks really just unexceptional for both of them. Like we are literally going through the motions, but there is something mental where I think he found himself trapped and then said, well, this attractive woman has proposed an affair to me. I should jump on this before I have a second child. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know I've got, you know, this is going to sound terrible, but I know I've got... <laughs> Chad, you say this every episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, he knows he's got a certain amount of months where she is probably not going to want to have sex, you know, right. or, you know, it's it's not going to be what he wants. And I think this episode mm-hmm. really, like, when we look at Alan, it shows, like, how patriarchy hurts men also, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, everybody in this show is just trapped in these roles yeah. that yeah. they've been assigned, you know? And it hurts the men just as much as it hurts the women. Right. Well, it's the same thing right. as what we, what we were saying about physical, that if, mm-hmm. you know, if it was easier and less of a social stigma back in the 70s for couples to just simply divorce, 
mm-hmm. they'd be a lot happier. And and then here here it's complicated by the fact that they're in this little churchy town in 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 uh, in Texas. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Sheila and Danny. Nobody would have made a big deal out of it because they lived in like Southern California, mm-hmm. and and you know they they weren't particularly you know except for Danny being you know presumably Jewish by birth. Neither were particularly religious people. So, but. Mm-hmm. You know the the folks in Candy they they don't see it's not that easy just to yeah. to no. walk away from their marriages and you know, not be treated like pariahs or or feel like they they would have to literally pick up and leave town, mm-hmm. which is you know, which is what Pastor Jackie did and, and Pastor Jackie didn't even it, you know it wasn't even infidelity that broke up her marriage she just no it was just divorce and she had right, to leave and town she, and, and then she took up with someone else and people were like mm, no no that's not acceptable. No, you need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay, I'm I'm fascinated, Gina, because you have talked such a big game about how if on physical marriage counseling could have been a thing, we might have had a completely different storyline. And so enter in Candy Marriage Encounter. <laughs> which was a real which was a real thing. Which it was a real thing. So this I'm glad somebody says the word cult because I had some serious reservations, but I'm curious about how the two of you felt about this. It feels very indelicate, you know, like I I don't love Alan in this episode, but if I mm-hmm. sat down and my wife turned to me and said, tell me how you're pleasuring yourself in front of this stranger. And then the stranger said, you are going to tell her everything you do in the mm-hmm. privacy of your bathroom. Like I would be very, I would be out of there, honestly, you know, so uncomfortable. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was a little surprised that that Betty was on board with it because, mm. you know, she seems like somebody who is constantly worried about embarrassing herself. Mm-hmm. But this is also a, a lot of. I, I mean, I definitely agree that this is has a cult like feel, where mm-hmm. you know all of these people who you've just met are now you know they're now your best friends and and mm-hmm. you, and don't talk about anything that you you. Discovered in marriage encounter, you know, with anybody except these people, mm-hmm. and, and and what was it that like uh, uh, if somebody if somebody from the group called you at like four in the morning, you had to be making yourself available for them, like like you know even <laughs> the dead of night and and mm-hmm. but you know now you know, we're all in long term committed relationships, but how do y'all feel about this idea of quote unquote total honesty with your partner? Because uh, I have issues with it. Yeah, I do too. Corey and I have a, we used to call it our 15% rule where like we're allowed to keep like 15% of our lives to ourselves, you know? And I mean, that's obviously a generalization. But I remember I was reading some article and they're like, you don't want your husband to see you like trying to wiggle into some pantyhose, you know? There are some things that, that I want to keep private and I respect his privacy. Now I feel like if I had a really good reason to want to know, like, I don't feel like he is hiding things from me mm-hmm. nefariously and I'm not hiding anything from him. But I mean, that's just a way to keep yourself autonomous. You know, it's kind of the way I see it. 
Right. Just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean that you have been subsumed and you become a pair and you're no longer your own individual person. I think it's the same concept as like, sometimes I need to retreat and just lock myself in a room and be away from my husband for a little bit, or I need Mm -hmm. him to leave the house. So I get the house (laughs) to myself for a while. And I don't think that's a failure of the relationship. I think it's an acknowledgement that people need to have something for themselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means a little bit of a secret or something where you're just not telling everything. I don't think it means lying. And that's where I think a lot of people get into problems. It's like, Mm -hmm. just because I haven't told you something doesn't mean I'm keeping something from you. It just means that I don't think this is important for our relationship. Yeah. Well, well, it starts out with a good idea. The idea that yeah. you, know, you you need to be more expressive in your emotions. Mm-hmm. Be more open. Right. You need to, if you're feeling a certain way or if your partner is doing something, you know, even inadvertently, that makes you feel bad about yourself or, or you know, uneasy or insecure, you should tell them. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, a lot of this was, you know, from that whole boomer generation, you know, raised by stoic religious parents where you particularly for men and this is something that you know particularly for my generation gen x still struggles with is you know Mm -hmm. the whole you know men being able to openly express their emotions and and that's that's always going to be a good thing but then you get into this territory of where it becomes a confessional Mm -hmm. and then like you know if, if something happened you know 10 years ago in your in your relationship that you need to tell them you need to you know you know clean the slate and tell them about this so mm. betty has to mention that she you know, rather implausibly had an affair herself at some point but yeah. this was this was very early in their relationship and and mm-hmm. i don't know that her admitting this helped in any way and, yeah. and you know except maybe to make alan feel a little more justified in what he's doing Exactly. When really the notion of tit for tat should, you know, you, you got to throw that out the window with a with a romantic relationship. That, yeah. you know, the, the, the answer to finding out that your partner has had an affair is not, well, I'm just going to go out and have one myself then. Because that's, yeah. that's, right. that's, that's not going to make things better. No. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a good case study of this is total honesty always the best policy. And my first issue is that, like, this marriage contract that you've signed into now demands honesty. Like I am still a person, even though Mm -hmm. I am married and I don't owe anyone anything unless I choose to owe them that, you know what I mean? Right. (laughs) My little feminist soapbox coming out. But like, (laughs) (laughs) if I put myself in both Alan and Betty's shoes and I look at my own marriage, like if my partner had cheated on me 10 years ago, it was a one night stand And I know it's completely over. I know everybody's still healthy. And I know, like, I don't know if I want to know that. Right. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to know because it it doesn't, it doesn't matter now. Right. Mm. But I would want to know if he was currently having a relationship with Of course. Yes, 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 absolutely. He does not say, he does not say that. (laughs) He doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was strike one against Alan (laughs) for me. (laughs) Because it it really felt like blaming her. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. So there is some interesting drama to be had out of this. So obviously, yeah, we're getting some insight into Alan, how he approaches total honesty. But it does seem to work for them to a point, right? Where Mm -hmm. Alan ultimately tells Candy, I would like to break things off because our relationship 
like his and Betty's, it's begun to heal. And this is after Candy has tried to break things off because she was starting to have feelings for him. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting, right? Because ultimately, at certain points, they both try to break off the affair. And it's only when he says he doesn't want to do it anymore that things end. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you have trouble believing her when she says she had feelings for him? Yep. I I was just going to say. Yeah, I I, I was like, I don't get that. Like, they they don't have very, they don't have very much chemistry. And and, and I don't, and I don't think it's a problem with the actors. I think it's just this very awkward situation that they found themselves in where, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, well, we're here. We might as well do this. And, 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 you know, but it doesn't really get any better from there. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, you know, Candy, do you, do you, are you finding yourself falling for him or do you find yourself like obsessed with this situation? Yeah. And that if it was any man that she was having an affair with, whether it was a uh, Don that's a Raul Esparza's character or uh, anybody else, that she would have felt the same way, that it wasn't the man that mm-hmm. she is falling in love with, but the notion of having this, you know, quote unquote wild which is not very wild affair behind her, you know, nice but boring husband's back. Mm -hmm. I wonder too, is part of the reason that we struggle with this because of the way this is all presented? Like we haven't talked about the formal narrative construction of this episode, but essentially it tracks the duration of just beyond Betty's pregnancy, but we're jumping ahead in two to three month increments. Mm -hmm. And I found that we're really only seeing portions of the affair. So Mm -hmm. in some ways, I think it's deliberate, right? Like we're meant to see the not great kind of unsatisfying early sex. And then we see the really hot sex when Candy tries to break it off and Alan can't let it go. And then we sort of see the slow trickle to the point where he says, oh, marriage encounter is working for me. We need to end this. And then we get the fallout between Candy and Betty. Mm -hmm. But I found that because we didn't get enough of a sense of how they react during the affair, like when the affair is supposedly good, that was where I was having difficulty saying like, are they still just doing this because it's risky and they don't want to be in their respective boring lives? Like something about mm-hmm. this episode, there there was too much time passing that I didn't feel like I really got to sit with anything except the big incidents like the baby shower. Yeah, it feels like their entire affair is like a flat line. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like an arc or it's not a roller coaster. And yeah, it's there's really, no ups and downs. Exactly. And it's hard for me to think, like, whenever I think of, like, long-term affairs, I think of Big and Carrie in mm. season, Sex and the Sissy Season 3, which is where, like, Ooh. they can't wait to get to each other. You know, they, like, fall mm-hmm. into each other's arms. It's so passionate. And the way that unfolds, like, is, like, eventually they start to go to the cheaper hotel room or they like get takeout instead of like fancy steak, you know, and mm-hmm. it loses its luster, but the sex is still really hot. And I feel like there is no passion here at all. And I think part of that is because Candy doesn't actually care about him. Like she never cared about him. She right. just found somebody who agreed to have an affair with her. And even her saying he has the most beautiful penis I've ever seen, like that felt... I don't even know I bought that. Exactly. I was like, no, that's not what you say when you have a successful affair. You're like, oh, he did this and he like knows how to do that. And like five times, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what you brag about. (laughs) Also, it's like, Candy, how many penises have you seen? 
totally. Like, what is your? He's got the your, most beautiful penis of the two. Right. Yeah, exactly. say, what is your? What is your? What is your basis for comparison here? Yeah. Basically, she's just throwing Pat under the bus. Right. Side note: I love when the friend is like, "Isn't that kind of a lateral move?" Uh huh. Like, yep. Because we all thought so too. <laughs> totally. They, they look like they could be brothers. It's, it's they really wild. do. They really it's do. Wild. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for a show that has really attractive people, like we're watching an affair between Pablo Shriver and Jessica Biel, and this looks like microwave dinner levels of hot sex. Yeah. It's so bad. I'm <laughs> just like, wow. It, it makes sense though because they're both you know they're, they're both church that's church kids mm-hmm. you know if, if, if anything alan is even more sheltered than than <laughs> the candy is and he literally mm-hmm. says he's never had a person's tongue in his mouth and it's like <sighs> and it's like come on you yeah. come, come on alan you, know, you, you, were, you would have been born in like 1950 <laughs> right and you've been married for how long you know I will say, if I were to, and I'm not going to, just for the record for everyone, if I were to have an affair and it was not a passionate thing where we just kind of fell into an mm-hmm. affair, into a fair land, this is probably how I would, it would play out. Like, I would probably be really awkward. You know, I'd probably oh, be yeah, nervous totally. about it. Totally. Like, I buy the realism of this, but sure. it just, and, and that I think is, is the reality of it is it's not about either of them. They just happen mm-hmm. to. And even then, like, the only time we see them enjoying having sex is when they've just done this whole hard to get, I'm going to break up with you dance, you know? Right. And she enjoys it when he's just given her a whole bunch of compliments about her body and how her body moves, you know? Right. Well, it's probably because, you know, when's the last time, you know, Pat said anything like that to her? Oh, if, totally. If, if, if he ever has. Because because yeah. because Pat's probably as sheltered as Alan is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest moment for me to watch in this episode, well, there's two. It's basically indicative of how terrible both of their marriages are. So it's when Alan gives this kind of conciliatory sex to Betty because he knows that it makes her feel better. Like after mm-hmm. she's had the baby. And you're mm-hmm. just like, this is so just It's awful. so sad. It, it looks is. so sad. So it's sad. pathetic, right? And, but, but when you think about how empty this relationship feels, like this affair, it's like, and yet someone died over this. That's where the passion is. Yeah. Someone was Oof. brutally murdered. Mm-hmm, over over, rela- over over a relationship you know involving this drip of a man who <laughs> who just like come on man you know like like when you when you see we've all had someone who just seems to lose their mind over a person and it's like oh, sure. you're like you're like that this? guy yeah. or, <laughs> right. or that this slice girl? of wet cheese Her? come on right. you yeah. know either you know either betty was threatened enough you know, depending on whose side of the story you're gonna take and obviously one person you know one of the sides is dead you know mm-hmm. either you're gonna believe that Betty was, you know, furious enough that, you know, this woman tried to steal this gem of a man from her mm-hmm. or that, you know, Candy was, you know, you know, that upset that she was going to lose this guy to, you know, his wife. It's like, mm-hmm. this guy? You know? yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's so hard to understand. Yeah. It's a testament to just how lackluster life was in this particular town <laughs> yeah. in 1980, it's like, right? It's yeah. like, okay, maybe there was something different motivating either of them in all this yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the other moment that really got to me was when 
Pat finally paid Candy a bit of a compliment. You know, she she realized she was late for book club. Sherry was out front and he was like, no, no, it's good. I've got the kids. Take care. I'll make Sundays. And then just as she's about to leave, he says, "Ooh, well, maybe could you like just put out the ice cream and do the sprinkles and that kind of stuff? And just she's chop just the like, nuts. Do it Can all. you just make the Sundays? You know, just before you go. Yeah. So close, Pat, you piece of shit. Yeah, like, Pat, you're almost there. Mm-hmm. And, and so again, I don't, I don't think Pat is a bad guy. I think he no. is. He's just very, he, he's very representative of, you know, husbands and fathers of the late 70s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what they were raised to know, you know? And, like, when I think about the marriage encounter ceremony, or, like, the not ceremony, like the practices, mm-hmm. it is better than like a psychoanalyst just sitting in a chair and just writing down while you talk, you know? And I mean, this is better than it was. And it feels like we're like in the middle of where we want it to be. Like we can see these people that like feel like us and we're like, no, but your life would be so much better if you just did this one thing and you can do this thing. It just mm-hmm. means making people mad at you, you know, as opposed right. to like in the 20s, 30s, 40s, where like you really couldn't get away with a lot of stuff, you know? No. So it just feels like this weird place where it just want their lives to be so much better. And it's like right there, you know, and mm-hmm. they just they, they don't think that they either don't think they deserve it or they don't believe that it's actually going to be better. Right. Or they're afraid of what other people will say. Right. Exactly. That's the bigger threat, you know? And when I think about like Betty wanting to hold on to her husband, I don't necessarily think it's out of love for him. It's like, this is her stability. This is her safety. Mm -hmm. This is what she knows, you know? Yeah. What what is she going to, what, you know, she, she lost her teaching job. Mm -hmm. You know, she, she believes herself to be a bad mother, which I I don't think Mm -hmm. that she is. No. I I think she's just not the mother that she hoped that she would be. She's not candy. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't mistreat her children. You know, her, 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 (laughs) I mean, you know, she's, she doesn't mistreat her children any, any worse than someone who is very obviously struggling with some mental health issues. Yeah. You, know, okay. you know, she, she's, I, I really honestly believe that she is doing her best, yes. but, but to, yeah. but to other people's perception, certainly in that time period, it's certainly a small little religious community. It's not going to be enough, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, her, her daughter seems to love her. You that know, true. Yeah. she seemed very concerned for her, you know, like, like, I mean, to a way it's a little heartbreaking considering how, how young her daughter is. Her daughter's only like seven or eight. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, down the line, it will become a very codependent relationship, which would be yeah. bad for the daughter. You yeah. Know, but but also it's not uncommon when you have a parent who who has some emotional health issues, you know, coming, coming, yeah. from, both, coming from both sides of that equation. It is very easy to fall into that kind of relationship with your children where yeah. you become dependent on them to to, you know, get you through these bad patches. But yeah. you know what would she if her marriage falls falls apart? Then what would Betty have at this point? She right. she doesn't have, she doesn't have a job. You know she has this newborn baby. Sure, she could go home to her parents, but how embarrassing would that be? It's still mm-hmm. embarrassing now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's the difference between like wearing your problems on your sleeve, maybe not on your sleeve, but wearing your problems where the, where people can see them in reality and keeping them hidden away. Cause like both Candy and Betty have 
troubled marriages. They're both kind of in the same spot. And the ways that they deal with this are so completely opposite. And I mean, Candy seems like the perfect mom, but you know, you could argue that by murdering someone else, she is actually doing a lot more harm to her kids than Betty is by struggling publicly, you know what I mean? Or by being temperamental at home. And it's just like this feeling of, of we can't show this perceived weakness. We got to keep playing these roles. And like, I was really happy with where Betty and Alan's relationship is by the end of the episode, even though Mm -hmm. he still bugs the shit out of me. But I felt (laughs) like they were really like making a connection. They were really doing better. And it was because she was like, there is a problem and I can't go forward. And like, you can't be around Betty without knowing that she has these demons, you know, whereas Candy has them and she's keeping them all stuffed down until they literally explode on someone. Mm hmm. Well, let's talk about the big scene then. We've got Handy offering up her house because it's the better it's the party, best party space. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a baby shower for Betty. And this is a big move over from last episode, right? Where we saw mm-hmm. how terrible Betty was being treated by the church ladies. And it's pretty obvious that Candy is doing this in part because she feels guilty and because she got to say something in a conversation. You know, there was silence and she was mm-hmm. like, well, all right. Yeah. I mean, Candy ends up coming off looking really petty and mm-hmm. passive aggressive in this encounter because Betty doesn't even know what the fuck is going on. Betty's just <laughs> trying to have a nice day. Mm-hmm. And it all just kind of starts to trickle out. But it's also because Candy feels threatened, right? She's convinced that this marriage encounter stuff means that Alan has revealed the truth of their affair. So in a way, she's using a very public forum to try to figure out if Betty knows. <laughs> Ooh, it's awkward. Yeah. And this is the where, like, she might as well have a guilty sign on her forehead, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, this is, you're, you're being very, you're giving a lot of backhanded compliments, you're doing that bless your heart thing, you know. You're talking about this affair in an open kitchen. Oh my you know? God. I was like, they're going to hear you. They probably That's what I'm talking did. about. Like, she, she, you know, for someone She who, wants to get caught. Yeah, yeah, for someone who would have a lot to lose. Although I don't know that, I don't know that Pat would leave her. I don't think he would. I don't yeah, think he would I, either. I, yeah, I don't think he would. You know, she seems to be pretty open about talking about this affair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you get the impression that Alan, because I I saw in a couple of different recaps, people really wanted to read something into the way that Alan looks at Pat when they're both outside and Pat is working the grill. And I I just kind of looked at it as... Candy and Pat have a pretty darn nice life in this giant house with this huge backyard and they can Mm -hmm. entertain everybody from the church and Alan doesn't have anything like that. So that's Mm -hmm. how I read it. But I've seen other people say, "Mm, you know, he's he's jealous of what Pat has in Candy. No, I think it's I think it's a general, you know, here's a guy who for all appearances is just like me, which he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, both both physically and personality wise. Although, although mm-hmm. I will say, I will say, Pat is a little more personable than right. than than Alan is. It's just mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of he's kind of a dud. You know, when it's just him and Candy alone. Right. But you know, he's he's a bit he's rather a bit more you know friendly and likable than than Alan is. Where Alan just he's painfully awkward. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I think that yeah, I think it's just overall you know wouldn't it be nice if if maybe even not so much my life, our life, meaning his and his and Betty's, were you know like this 
where right. you know we have we have you know friends over and we have this big house and and people like to be around us because because you know we already established that Betty you know now we don't know what her life was back in her hometown but she doesn't have any friends here you know they mm-hmm. they they're just like yeah no we have enough friends already we don't have room for one more <laughs> um you know very a very high school approach to socializing but that is unfortunately what small town life is like where you know if you didn't grow up here then go fuck yourself mm-hmm. but you know al doesn't really have any friends either mm-hmm. so it's not it, it's not even like you know that he's the social butterfly and you know she's the wallflower they're both kind of getting left out of things you know yeah. I, I i you yeah alan joined the volleyball team but you know it's that's about that's about the only gesture either of them have made to mm-hmm. that they've gotten accepted Mm-hmm. Well, and if we're looking at Candy, because when he compliments Candy, like I was expecting him to say, like, I need you, I love you, you know, saying all these passionate things. And he's just talking about her body. Like, if mm-hmm. he's looking at her as a status symbol, then Candy is like a part of this whole image also. Like, she's, I don't think she's really a human being to him. I think she's just kind of a means to an end. Like, just another thing on the list that Pat has that he does it, you know? Well, she's just not Betty, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think at the same time, he I think at the same time he feels bad about feeling that way. I do sure. too. I agree. Yeah. I did want to note, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in that scene, he is wearing one of the most hideous jumpsuits I have ever seen in my <laughs> life. And do you notice that Candy is wearing the exact same jumpsuit in the scene where Alan breaks up with her? Oh really? What the fuck did they get these? Did they get these like a? I don't know. Two for so, one. Yeah, exactly. It looks like the same. I mean, if Joan, uh, he's not Jonah. I'm sorry, he's Jonah and Veep. But if Pat wasn't like nine feet tall, I would think they were wearing the same outfit. But it's it's like matching jumpsuits. I love this idea. The couple that dresses together stays together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I, can't, I, I can't. I can't praise enough like the 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 eye for period detail in this it's yeah. so good it is so good like i i, I mentioned this before I, I could take a picture of you know of my family from that same time period and like point out yeah you know, saw one of these saw one of these yeah. oh, there, there's mm-hmm. the wood there's the wood paneling it, it's so it, it's yeah. so good i also want to note that the lingerie that candy is wearing for the first affair is some of the most gorgeous lingerie I've ever seen in my life. Like that mm. red floor length nightgown with the yeah. robe. I was like, oh my God. And you know, she, you know, she had to like drive. I, I don't know where the town <laughs> they live in is situated, but you know, she had to drive to like Dallas or something to, uh, I think she <laughs> says that. Oh no. She says that when she and Sherry go to the bar, right? She's like, we have to go to Dallas. Oh, <laughs> to the big city. <laughs> Basically. I thought of a uh, drop dead gorgeous. It's <laughs> the sin city go to like dillard's or uh or, uh-huh. you know, oh my god frederick's of hollywood or something to get this <laughs> get this nighty because you're not gonna find anything that's scandalous in town right mm-hmm. and it's like it's the most chaste i mean i i think it's gorgeous but it's not like racy or anything you know no and it's not short either no yeah yeah <laughs> okay well 
we have hit the hump, so we're headed into the back half. Gina, of course, you are excluded from this part because you know what's coming next. But uh, Jen, what are your predictions for episode four? Well, I'm curious to see if Pat and Candy are going to wear any more matching outfits. Okay. Um, I'm going to have my eye on that for the rest of the season, I think. <laughs> but we also, we didn't talk about the priest. And Joe, this is somebody that you mentioned in an earlier episode. And this is the first time I think I noticed him. Like, Betty gets into a little argument with the priest. Oh, the like, money. Yeah. yeah, yeah, over the money. And I was like, are they setting him up to be a red herring or a suspect? Oh, okay. You know, I mean, we already know what happens, so I don't know. But that's the only connection I can see him having to the story from what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found this one a bit of a hard one to read in terms of, well, where does the story go next? Mm. So my best guess was just that the next episode is going to be we get to see what happens the day of the murder. Like, we're going to see the murder. So, Mm -hmm. But then I'm also like, well, what does that leave the last episode? Is it just (laughs) going to be the court trial? Because that seems like it would be anticlimactic. So I don't know. Yeah. Okay, well, we will find out next week when we come back for episode four. But until then, Gina, if people want to talk about period accuracy from 1980 with you, how would they reach you? <laughs> well, I'm very old, and yet somehow uh, <laughs> I'm on I'm on I'm on Twitter anyway. Um, you can look for me under uh, Gina Does Things. Uh, I also co-host the Kill by Kill podcast in which we talk about horror movies according to the characters. So you can listen to me there as well. Nice. Okay. Jen. Uh, you can find me at Jim Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram. I am also old, which is why that's the only <laughs> We're all old. Let's just get it on the table. <laughs> We're seasoned, you know. <laughs> uh, we're experienced. And you can also find me co-hosting the Psychoanalysis podcast, which is about horror movies and mental health, and the Losers Club podcast, which is all about Stephen King. Okay. And if folks want a little bit more from me, you can listen to Horror Queers every Wednesday, and I can be reached at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. Thanks, as always, to the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network for hosting the show. Be sure you're checking out to Good for Her, Bodies of Horror, and the Altar Tapes on the network. And yeah, we will see you for episode four next week. But until then, when you're sad about the breakup of your affair, go disco dancing by yourself? Absolutely, yes. (laughs) Bring along your awkward friend also. (laughs) Make that chicken teriyaki. Yeah, pound it real good. (laughs) The Anatomy of a Scream, Pod Squad.